at one point, Paul McCartney's having a wonderful Christmas time was just not good. It was, it just was not a good song. And now it's like, no, no, that's nostalgia. That's part that it made it into the. Welcome to this special Christmas episode of Meaningful Miscellanea with your hosts, Jacob Tilton and Richie Sessions. And we've got a very special guest here today, a returning guest, actually. He might just be our uh, podcast uh, pastor or our, our chaplain that we, no that we need to return and go to. We've got yeah. Brian Habig here with us again. Brian, thanks for joining us again. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. He's a fa- you're a fan favorite, man. That's Our listeners right. demand more yeah. hey big. That's true. That's true. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you maybe who uh, don't know Brian, Brian is the, the pastor of Downtown Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina. For how, how many years now, Brian? Uh, 16. Wow. wow. 16 and a half. Wow. God, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's half of Jesus's <laughs> earthly ministry. That's true. Mm-hmm. So I feel like on the second half, I can really chew people out now. <laughs> right. You're just Let getting started. It. You're just getting started. Hey, I have earned the right to say this. <laughs> <laughs> or you could say like the classic Southern uh, saying about pastors is like, I got, I'm always keeping you out of trouble. You always keep me. You ever notice that, Brian? Did you grow up hearing that saying? Oh, I got yeah. I'm always keeping him out of trouble. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Well, how are things going? Are, I know you said you guys are moving into a new church building. To give us a little, just like thirty second. Idea yeah, of that. I How's mean, that? almost exactly the last two years, we have been in this disruption of tearing down our old building. Uh, we had this. We had a great spot in downtown Greenville. It was an old auto parts warehouse, and that doesn't sound great, but we retrofitted it and made it into our church facility and loved it and used the heck out of it. But it, it just was too small, and uh, we had outgrown it. So we took it down two Januarys ago, started this new construction. And uh, so basically all the office stuff we've been moving in today. So I've been spending all day moving into my new pastor's study. Wow. That's exciting, man. It is, That's man. That's cool. It's a pretty Since this is a podcast for Southern nerds or, or, or from Southern nerds, I mean, you'll get how great it is to figure out how to re-shelve your books. Mm. Are you a, uh, I guess, the are you a topic and, and then like author type of guy, or is there a different way to do that? You know, I'm trying to figure it out right now. Um, it's whatever I think you we probably, we probably, Just with that sentence, probably three or four people just tuned out from the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. They saw where I'm going with this. Oh, book selection and arrangement. That's great. I think I'm going to do something else this afternoon. 
But no, I was, I've been I've been putting up uh, commentaries. So these books commenting on different books of the Bible. So that's just you know in the order of the books and usually oldest first and, and newer. So something like that. Well, we've got uh, some fun Christmas things we want to talk about, and I uh, can't wait to to see where this conversation leads us to, Brian. But, um, you know, we wanted to ask you, when you were growing up in Jackson, did you have any special funny Christmas memories there or meaningful Christmas memories to you there? Yeah, I don't remember a lot... I don't remember as much funny memories. I just it seemed like it was beautiful. The memories are are beautiful in my mind, and I don't think that's just nostalgia. Maybe some of it is, but uh, a, a close friend of mine who also attended First Pres because uh, First Pres Jackson, Mississippi, was not only my church but my school from kindergarten through eighth grade. So six days a week, I'm at that building. And we were talking about this recently that I really think First Pres did Christmas well growing up. I, I did like I, that we were singing the songs as a school, that we sang great hymns, you know, in worship during that time. It wasn't overly decorated, but it but, but it was decorated. And, I, I just, and just that kind of magical thing where spaces look different when you put lights on them, you know. And uh, I, I heard somebody say, and I felt this about school in the church, but I especially felt this at home, that the great thing for a little kid during Christmas is that your whole house becomes a nightlight and how good that feels to you when you're little, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, there's the anticipation of gifts and all that, but it's just the fact that spaces that had been dark and maybe a little bit frightening, even in your own house when you're little, suddenly transform and they feel safer. I, I, I remember that feeling. That's so true with like blue and red lights. And they're not just like a night light. They're like colored lights. That's so And I I think my mom, um, I think, uh, I I think this is right. I think my parents had like a um, kind of a frosted glass angel with a light inside it. So it's, so it's, you know, diffused. It's not like, there's not a sharp light. Kind of the whole figure is lit. And it was in our den, and it just kind of mildly lit the whole den. And just when you're little, how <laughs> you're not going to use the word like beautiful when you're little, but that's so comforting, you know, and kind of magical looking. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad having that album that I should have looked it up before we got on here together, but you know, there's kind of that one old classic recording of. Uh, little drummer boy, and uh, it, it sounds like it was probably recorded in the early '60s, and uh, real high-pitched female, or mo- maybe mostly female choir. I remember him having that album, and of course, only playing it during that time of the year. And uh, that's a cool song, even for a kid, because if you just sit and listen, it's not complicated. There's this child approaching Jesus and not quite knowing what to do and ending up giving him himself, you know, like, like, you know, just even that line, like I played my best for him thinking about a child saying that. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember that, I remember hearing that in the den growing up. 
Um, no, no super special Christ, uh, Christmas traditions, just tree decorations. Um, what about y'all? My grandmother on my dad's side, we called her Nanny. She had some. She had some Christmas lights. That, that had oil in them. Hmm. So they had they actually like dripped. So like when they, when the, the the lights would come, so there was like this like, like, kind of like, gl- glowing sort of globby uh, mm. thing with them. That was so. I remember just looking at that, going like, oh, it's so because because think about it, it's the only time you have a tree in your house. It's right. just a weird. It just there's a tree. Uh, we have a tree in our house, and then we have weird lights that are that that have oil in them, kind of dripping down. I just remember some of those those retro, kind of mid century modern ornaments that were kind of had those really sharp kind of shapes, and they just seemed that they were more ornate uh, or more. What, what do you mean sharp? What, like, like like round like going the, into a point? Yeah. Yes. Yes, so like they, they just they look like they were like nineteen fifties like Mad Men kind of like you're looking at that had that whole kind of aesthetic to it, um, and I just remember those lights and just being like it just felt like something yeah. that was beautifully comforting and yet at the same time totally alien to my everyday experience. So yeah. normally like and and, and uh, we talked about this on one episode. It just like there's so many pictures of of me like opening like a present. With like someone like smoking a cigarette, like right there next to like, <laughs> it's just like that's so like late seventies, early eighties Christmas, and yeah. thinking about the adult world mixed with the children's world, kind of all there together, just like indoor smoking, and like an ashtray on like a like a stand. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's for me, Brian. It's funny that you mentioned those final records and like that. My dad had. Or my family had a couple of like Christmas vinyl records. One was like Disney characters singing, singing standard Christmas songs, which was pretty, pretty funny to think about. You know, Minnie Mouse singing Silent Night or something like that. Did, did either of y'all have a? Was there the um, Nat King Cole Christmas album? My, I, my dad had that one, and I, years later, before everything went digital, I bought the CD, and it still had the same album cover. It's like him in a sweater, and it's mm-hmm. that kind of—I <laughs> don't know what era—almost a, a like it's been run through some kind of Instagram filter where everything's kind of orangey. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, you know, you know what I mean—that kind of almost yes. sepia tint, not sepia, yes. but just kind of orangey, late 60s yes. tint, and he's in a sweater, you know, armchair in front of the fireplace, but man, that is just, that image is emblazoned in my mind. Gosh, that is so good. Do y'all remember this? Uh, and I, this is where, I mean, I could go on too long about this, but for people listening, you've got to picture a world with no streaming. And not only no streaming, no recording, no mm-hmm. digital recording, no video cassette recording. When something comes on, this is when it's coming on. <laughs> when you got teed up and ready to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and CBS did this thing. Do y'all remember this? Where when a special was coming on, there was this little intro, 
and it was a black screen and the word special would rotate and come at you and it had like these kind of bongo percussion thing play. do you remember that jacob no i don't <laughs> yes, yes. Do, do, richie do you know what i'm yeah, talking about i do okay you can look at i looked it up on youtube and sent it to a friend of mine who loves that kind of stuff <laughs> like just th this will transport us back to 1975 but it, it, so so it, it, it was like cbs's way of saying this is important and then it goes into uh that vince garaldi music of that instrumental of Christmas time is here and it's when they're they're uh, skating on that lake and the you know, big white snowflakes are falling but when you only saw that once a year and you just didn't have access to that music all the time I mean that was mm -hmm. fantastic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dana and I were driving around the other day and we were listening to the Charlie Brown Christmas album and we were listening to that first track of Otanenbaum. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, and I don't know, I don't understand music with the sophistication that y'all do, especially you, Jacob. Um, I don't know all the vocab, but I, I, I love jazz. And Dana and I were listening to it and just listening to how the song grew. And at first, as far as percussion, it starts with just kind of, I guess, brush on snare. And then it goes to brush and cymbal and then it goes to like symbol with rim shots. And I, I, I turned to Dana, this was like a week ago. I turned to her, I was smiling ear to ear and said, this is for children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> incredible jazz for children. It just, I, I, well, what gets uh, me like that. You, yeah. What gets me is like, you mentioned, you mentioned Christmas time, even that. That right there, and that's for children, and children are singing it at the later in the yeah. program. That's just amazing. That's just got so much like. Yeah. Just so much. So, so Jacob, like people that really know jazz and um, have, you know, like really trained musicians. Would they roll their eyes at Vince Guaraldi, or would they say, oh, "No, that's no. good stuff"? Or do, I don't is think it so. okay? No, I mean, even I just not. the melodies there themselves are just. There's just so much feeling in those melodies, mm -hmm. and I mean, you get like the juxtaposition of joyous Christmas Anna with a little bit of melancholy, sadness mixed, yes. mixed together in there. Yes. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's magical. It really is. I, I was even thinking about, um, you know, the, the main, the, the, you know, the Charlie Brown theme that everyone thinks of mm -hmm. or, or tries to learn on the piano is Linus and Lucy. And I was listening to it the other day and I, it just struck me how on the Christmas album, it plays the, you know, that everyone knows. And then it'll stop and go into just this total kind of like <laughs> jazz trio thing. And the second one is the one they play on the special where Schroeder is playing and Lucy's leaning up against the piano and she's telling him how to play and what she wants. And he just can't seem to get anything right. And she's scoffing at it. He says, good grief. And then he breaks into this, it's it's that song like this jazz trio thing. Do y'all remember this? And that's the one where uh, Snoopy 
sneaks in and starts dancing on the piano. And then he gets so lost in it that he doesn't realize that Schroeder has stopped playing, that they're staring at him. And then he just kind of looks at both of them and like slinks away. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I'm 54 and I laugh at it still. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about there too. It's like... Yes. <laughs> yeah, did, so have you, had you learned that, or you just did that? I, by I ear? mean, I've played, I've played that one before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that stuff's so good. Oh man, so good. Do y'all use that in corporate worship at your church? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of. Uh, we we're talking about other. Um, gosh, the. the, the Every year we went, until I was probably in junior junior high, middle school, we went to Atlanta, Texas to my mom's side of the family. My mother's from Magnolia, but my grand, granddad's all from Atlanta, Texas, basically Texarkana, also known as the Arklatex. Um, and it's kind of like Shreveport's the biggest city in that area, so you kind of get the feel for it. And we went to Atlanta, Texas to my mom's side of the family, all the Griffins, and they all live like in the same, like on a, on an old county highway, all like Aunt Billy Sue was here and Judy was here and Jan was here and Joe was here and Aunt Sissy, you know, all these people are just right there and they're just sweet, they're just sweet tea drinking, just just come over here, boy, what you doing over here just like this, oh my goodness, <laughs> just sweet, awesome people, yeah. um, Big, like horses, all that kind of stuff. But my cousin, he was actually my second cousin, his name's Charles Jr. The only time we would ever see him is when we would go look at him, at, at, when we would go down there for Christmas. And his dad called him Snorty. <laughs> and and because he had terrible, like, allergies and asthma. He talk like this. <laughs> and his dad, Charles Sr., called Charles Jr. Snorty. Snorty, you shut up, boy. Get over here. Dad, she's more like thing over there. And he would say, but I remember, for some reason, I think Snorty waited till the city boys from Little Rock would come down there. And he would literally beat us silly and when he would just wait for us to get and he would do things like he'd pick us up and he, he'd pick me and turn me upside down and like by the couch and go like body slam boogers and ham <laughs> no <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> but like at Christmas so I have Christmas memories of him going like body slam suplex <laughs> and like and and they and, and, and just dreading it the whole time. I remember like going to stay in his room, and he had a big poster of like the 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 uh, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. How eighties is that? Like kicking, oh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And he's like, "Y'all don't be looking at a poster like that. You don't be looking at my poster." And he's like, "This is where I'm staying, Snorty. Uh, these are my arrangements. I can't help it." And and it was all like, it was fruitcake. It was like fruitcake oh, yeah. made in like Corsicana, Texas is where like all the fruitcakes are all made in Corsicana. Yeah. And so fruitcakes, the world smelled like bourbon soaked fruitcakes and and the color of that green jelly oh, thing man. in there and with the red thing in there is Christmas to me. Atlanta, Texas, the smell of bourbon, fires, uh, wood, wood fires burning. Uh, uh, big like ham, 
Like there was just ham. It just seems like copious amounts of ham. Yeah. And 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 honestly, like Christmas specials, like the Rankin Bass, you know, those those movies would be on. Like the Rankin Bass. Now unpack like the that. The, the the kind of stop motion stuff. Yeah, the stop motion stuff. So Rankin Bass, if you remember, like you know, you had the Abominable Snowman, and and what was the other guy's name? Cornelius. Yukon uh, Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius, <laughs> who licked his yeah. ice pick. And what would he say when he would lick it? Uh, well, he'd fling it. It's just like it operated like a boomerang, <laughs> and it would come back to him, and he would lick the the pointing part and go like. Nothing. <laughs> so, in the Abominable Snowman and, and and all of those things, there were just everything was just dripping with nostalgia, and 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 it, it was almost like uh, the tinsel on a tree was the yeah. greatest sort of symbol of the way everything felt. Everything was shimmering, even yeah. about as even as even as Snorty was giving me a suplex. And, yeah. uh, and and I was having to sleep on a bunk bed with second cousins, and and then we, I remember going and you would actually if you look up in a lot of like uh, you know oak trees and places like that mistletoe is up there growing. You ever look? Oh, up, I saw see? some. I saw some Sunday. We would go out because this would probably be like a week before Christmas or something like that. I don't know how when we would do it, but. We would go out, and my grand, my uncle or my dad or somebody would take a 12-gauge and shoot mistletoe out of a tree. <laughs> like, y'all get that mistletoe tree. So it's like mistletoe out of that tree. And so we're all, like, gathering up the mistletoe with the smell of shotgun, you know, around us. And, you know, big, he had a big set. So, like, that to me is, like, you know, Christmas, it's country, it's... You know, it's family, it's awkward, and, and at the same time, it's all yeah. dipped in magic. Yeah. Hey, Richie, let me ask you this. Okay, so when, so how, like, let's say you were there when you were, like, six was, years old? or Yeah, six, seven, snorty. Yeah. Okay, so, so six or seven-year-old Richie, and, you know, we're going to go out and get this mistletoe, and somebody's aiming a shotgun up there, and so, bam, and it's louder than you thought it would be, and you smell the gunpowder and everything, and... And so at the moment you might have thought this is weird or I f-, you like you know that hurt my ears and now you look back and it's kind of magical and it's another time do you ever think what am I in right now that might seem that way to me if I live to be 80 or 85 wow that's really good i mean do you, i mean but not rhetorically do you do you ever think do you ever have a moment where you think i'm doing something that 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 if the Lord let me live, you know, four more decades, I'd look back and go, man, that was something. Yeah. I think I'm noticing, I, I think now I'm in those places and life is sort of, uh, I've gotten to a place in my life where I've hurt so much that I realize that I, I'm paying attention to the mistletoe being shot out by the shotgun now. Like and I, I almost I almost see myself as a curator of that kind of beauty. Like I want to keep it in sort of like the the Nike shoebox of my memory. Yeah. Have so you like, ever heard? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go that's ahead. good. No, that's that, that's. I think the difference is now, like when I see like a blue flower. Yeah. Or if I see like this like this purple cup that was in my grandmother's house, like this purple cup was like an echo of Eden because it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in the midst of like mason jars. 
and right. ugly cups was like this purple cup. Right. And so like I'm just noticing it now and sort of cherishing those things. Mm. I heard a guy give a, a, I don't know if it was a TED talk or what, but he gave a presentation about something that he, um, I guess you'd say advocates. He calls it homework for life. And what it is is to write maybe like two sentences on one memory you have from that day because it really will be sort of a hook for thinking about, for, for recalling more of that day. But if you keep doing that, it's sort of a net for catching the memories of your life. And yeah, I, I, I feel like this time last year was when I heard that and I thought I need to do that. I didn't do that this year. And I'm sure a lot of things have almost like the inside out thing, the little memory orbs have, you know, popped and, and uh, blown away. But, yeah. but I have wondered that lately about, um, like living in the eighties, I've laughed about in high school. I didn't know that I grew up in the fifties in the sense that there were phone booths and there were record albums and there was no internet and there were no smartphones and nothing was digital. And you know, I mean, we could just go on and on smoking section in restaurants. Smokes. Yeah, totally. Smoking section on the airplane. I mean, just, just all this is, <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it, it sounds like Mad Men now, but it was I was in high school, so, and so now I look back and think I didn't know that that was so different than now, but it's radically different than now. So I wonder what I'm in now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Dot dot dot. Yeah. We uh, speaking of like things that have changed. I took my family to go to a, a concert about a. A few days ago, we went to go see She and Him in concert, you know them? And uh, we got a notification before the concert that uh, no photos, no videos allowed. Uh, and so my oldest daughter was like, what in the world is this? You can't take, you can't take photos or videos? And I said, before... Smartphones, like mm -hmm. you never were allowed to mm -mm. photograph or video a concert. You would have been, you would have been asked to leave if that would have been the case. But it's kind of just been ubiquitous now. It's just. Oh, do you remember the Tom Cruise movie uh, Taps when they're in that military school, mm -hmm. and Tom Cruise kind of goes crazy? I mean, this is like young Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. I saw that in the theater, and my best friend's young uh, younger sister. She had a crush on Tom Cruise, so she brought like a little Kodak and took a picture of the screen when he was on there, and, and, and it flashed, and they pulled her out of the theater. Wow. <laughs> those were the hey. times we lived in, kids, for those of you listening. Hey, hey, come hey, here. hey, hey, come, hey, come here. You with the camera, come here. Give me that, give me that film. And they took it out. They took the film out. It's like the KGB. They're just exposing yeah, it to light. Smashing it, it on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I, I love talking about this because I do think it's, I do, you know, there's obviously an, el there's an element of nostalgia, but, but because we have, we believe the Christmas story is true. It's like the meaning of my whole life, right? It explains everything about the incarnation is it. There's something going back now and reading those experiences, like you're talking about the magic of the house. Go, did it? Let me ask you all this. It felt like 
around Christmas and especially Christmas Eve, like something is going to happen. Like it was like a the reason it wasn't just presents the next day. It wasn't just presents today. There was a sense that like something, something was happening. If something was anything could happen. Yeah. There was something about it that was so charged with excitement. Um, and, and at the same time, I think Jacob and I were talking about this. And at the same time, a little, there was an element of mystery and darkness with it too. It wasn't just sweet. In other words, like anything could happen and there's something mysterious and, and it's not sinister, but there's something like they didn't get, there was no room for them in the end. And the king and a king wanted to kill the baby. Like there's something, there was an element of danger to it and excitement. What do you all think about that? Yeah, I mean that's that's so true. That uh, everything everything back then when you were a kid is just kind of charged with more emotion than it is now. And so if you're excited, you're very excited. And if you're uncertain, you're you're very uncertain. So if you're not sure you're going to get this gift, you're very, you're very uh, anxious about whether or not you're going to get this gift, or if you're really excited once you get the gift, you're super, super happy about it. Yeah. And even the way your house looks, I mean, going back to the nightlight thing, uh, uh, it's like it, it, even as a child, you realize the darker the house gets, the better any one of these lights looks and feels like yeah. it has, it, it, it is the most special when it is contrasted with the most darkness. And that nails it, Brian. That's it. That's the, I couldn't put as a kid, I couldn't put it that way, but that's what it felt like. There was such deep contrast that there, there was seemed to be like this crack, this little mm-hmm. crack in the door that like something we might just be brought into, there may be something to happen that's going to be so wonderful tonight. Or like mm-hmm. something happened. There, yeah, there's just, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, and I remember going to, uh, it, you know, when we'd have some Christmas event at the church at night. And of course, if it, I, I can't remember when it was, but like that feeling as a kid, you didn't track time like you do as an adult. You don't necessarily know the patterns yet like you know as an adult. But just that feeling of driving to your church when it's so dark. I mean, that just, there's no darkness like December darkness. And, you know, the lights are on in the building. And for me, it was like walking through the hallways that I'm so accustomed to during the day, you know, my my school hallways, but it's dark outside, but the lights are on. I felt... I I really haven't heard anybody say it the way you said it, Richie, but that kind of feeling of, I don't know what's all about to happen here, but something special is going on. And it's still, I still feel it. It's like something special. And there's this deep longing that that, that maybe that's what, I didn't grow up in a tradition that really did Advent and this idea of waiting. And so there's something that's just really, really special about that. Do, do you think that we have to get older before that? You know, I mean, when I first would hear people say things like, you know, Advent is, is a time of active waiting. I, that just passed me by. But do you feel like as we get older and you have been through loss, 
and just seeing people hurt or their lives come apart and just how, how the world is something that we can't fix. You feel like you have to get older before you can feel what it is to, to want to actively wait mm-hmm. for the next advent. I just think, Absolutely. yeah, that Romans, like Romans 8, like the, the advent verse for me this year has been like, um, we inward we inwardly groan, groan as we eagerly await for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Like to, that to me is like my that's Advent. That mm-hmm. sums up every element of Advent for me. Because mm-hmm. it's like it's a bodily redemption I want. I don't because I want the I want the I want to experience the lights bodily. Like, I don't want it just to be this spiritual sort of like, I don't want to just, you know, just sort of disappear into sort of some orb of light. I want whatever is being offered to me in the in the, in that globby sort of oil of the yeah. light, that red green thing. I yeah. want to I want to be brought physically into it. Right. Right. Yeah. For me this year, what's really one thing that's hit me hard and as far as waiting goes, is as we as I enter in, try to enter into the Christmas story, thinking about God's plan of redemption. Right here are all these. Here's the all the way from back from Genesis, the promise of a redeemer, and here's the prophets talking about, it, and everything just pointing heavier and heavier. It's building, it's building, it's building, and then all of a sudden, angels announce the coming of the king or he's here Mm. here he is yeah here's this big event but it's he's a baby and you have to wait 30 years for him to actually show what what's a little bit of what he's going up to and then even then it's not really what you're looking for and it's not even close to being what the final product is going to be so Here's this huge announcement from a host of angels, peace on earth, but you've just begun to wait. You haven't even really entered into waiting yet. (laughs) You've got to wait so, there's so much active waiting that goes on. And yet God's, God's joy in that specific moment of time was absolutely full to him it's like yeah it's almost like he doesn't think that the he he does think waiting's a big deal but he knows the complete picture mm-hmm. that uh, to him it's worth sending a whole host of angels for to announce when y'all picture those angels how do you picture it how do you picture them I picture a uh, <laughs> almost almost my default picture, not on purpose, is really almost like a choir of old ladies. <laughs> and I know that's nothing close to it, but that's kind of like the mental picture of just a very well-mannered <laughs> choir. Not a very big choir, maybe like 10, 10 very good sopranos who have practiced. and then here We don't want to overdo it. 20 fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I picture like it, something just alien, 
like they just like they would be almost like what we would see as like aliens as being like but there's these glowing we just don't even know how to categorize them but i think maybe your description of the light in the darkness like it would have been that beautiful that disruptive that bizarre What about you? I, I don't know. I, uh, I, it's funny. I found myself saying in a sermon uh, a couple of Sundays ago that there just seem to be three main things that angels do in the Bible. They praise God, they deliver important messages, and they kill people. <laughs> and, you know, there's the there's the funny C.S. Lewis thing at the beginning of Screwtape Letters that, you know, in most art, it looks like, the angel's first thing you would say is they're there, you know, when actually they have to say fear not. But uh, I, I, I do, you know, the host thing, I, I picture that militaristic, like just a massive, massive troop uh, burning, maybe different colors, I don't know. Um, I, I did get to go to Bethlehem a few years ago for the first time, and I don't know what I pictured the topography being like, I mean, maybe maybe I I probably pictured like deep south fields, you know, just shepherds and kind of southern grass and woods. And I didn't realize the topography around there is rolling. And so it really impacted how I thought about what would it be like for those to be covered with glowing figures. Not, Not just a flat surface, but like just seeing the topography covered by these warriors. Just a little interesting tidbits, things that caught my ear as I listened to this particular song, and that, and that particular song, I know we're all maybe maybe a, a little bit tired of it, but uh, that particular song is Mariah Carey's uh, "All I Want for Christmas Is You." This song came out in 1994, and as we were talking about uh, nostalgia. Okay, think about all of the old Christmas songs that that you're nostalgic about. They probably came out in like the 50s and 60s. And then you get like some weird Christmas songs like Elton John's Christmas song or maybe wow. that. Yes, yeah, or the Paul McCartney Merry Christmas, Christmas song. Right. But those weren't, those Christmas songs, they were their own thing as far as like the way they were produced and the way they sounded, right? They were they were in step with the times. <laughs> I'm laughing about that. <laughs> Merry Christmas. 
I wrapped it up and sent it. <laughs> so I'm sorry, depressing. Jacob. I'm sorry. So depressing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, going, I lost you. I lost you guys. <laughs> can't believe it's real. No, no. Oh, Jacob, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's fine. But when you think about when that song came out in 1994, as far as I can remember, it's the first like callback song to a different mm-hmm. sound. Like So it's the first Christmas song to tap into something that was that's nostalgic already and so here's what i mean by that so the when you listen to that sound i'm just going to play that segment of it here All right, what does that like? What is that? Just the sound. What does it? Sound Phil like Spector. To, yes, Spector. Yes, yeah. it's got that wall of sound uh, thing to it. That, as far as my memory goes, like that's the first time I can remember that being like recalled in a Christmas song. Yeah. And when you hear that, what I always laugh about is the piano part that's just going to town there. So speaking of Phil Spector, <laughs> listen to this one. Listen to this, which to me is, I like this song better, but listen to this one. So that's Da Do Run Run by The Crystals, also produced by Phil Spector. And did you hear the piano just going to yeah. town in there? Yes. I, when you, the next time you listen to the Mariah Carey song, when you get to... Never, it's like Jerry Lewis. It never stops. It never stops. There's no space between any notes. Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just like a it's machine gun. It's almost percussive. It's almost like you're using it almost like as a percussion instrument. Yeah. Like, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. It has a different role than like you normally use as a piano. Yeah. It's, it's like Jerry Lewis. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's like a, it's like the piano becomes a shaker almost for the. For the uh, for the rhythm, so I, I look to hear him go like, "Ooh, feels good." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but get this, so I did a little uh, I did a little research about this, and so Mariah Carey co-wrote that song with this guy named Walter, uh, and I'm going to butcher his na- last name. It's spelled A F A N A S I E F F. I have no idea how you say that. Who incidentally also won a Grammy for producing 
Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. So this guy was like, had a hand in two of the biggest songs in the last 50 years. I was reading him, uh, a little interview with him about this song. And he, to my surprise, and as much as they wanted to sound like Phil Spector and an old sound, he did like a demo with a sequencer. And to his memory, they did not ever have a, a live recording of a band for that song. They just kept the fake drums and maybe real bass was put in there. But there was no live element to that recording at Whoa. all. Whoa! So next time you listen to like the drums, like the the tom hits, it, you can actually hear that it's it sounds fake. But there is nothing. If they recorded that today, it would probably sound so much cooler. Right. But, but back then, wow. Yeah, it was just like all this kind of uh, it, electronics, it, like samples and stuff, sequence. Yeah, it's like how quickly can we get this into right. the mall speakers? <laughs> right. Right, which also like, explains today. Which also explains that there may not have actually been a real guy going. It just may have been programmed. Automated, just like, yeah. Let's go to town on that. We were talking earlier. It's like that when I hear that song, I think of like on a Saturday being drugged, like going to the mall, the smell of like Cinnabon, Sbarro, Chick Fil A. <laughs> Arcade, you know the. Oh, you remember the way an arcade smelled like carpet and electricity? Oh, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. You know, and you add all those smells together, and you're like, oh, I forgot I got to go to Gap. I got to yeah. go get some of the Gap. And and all of those things together, that's what that song reminds me of. It's just like saccharine, sweet. Um, I don't have good memories of that song. It kind of gives me a headache. Yeah, it's it is a little bit much, but I I will give props to the melody and the chords of that song, which also is very like throwback to Phil Spector. But if you try to sing along with that thing, it is so complicated. Jacob, play a slow version of the verse. Like play it, slow it down. Wow. And, yeah. and sing it. I won't sing it. Oh, no, I don't want to sing it. I'll just I'll just play it with the melody. Okay. So many just little oh weird God. little things there. Like that, at the end there. That's, That's so hard to sing. The <laughs> first, the, about the first 10 seconds, it sounded like Sister Christian. And then, <laughs> and then a total like jazz, jazz lounge ending. Yes. It's like if Randy Newman and, and Night Ranger got together and like, hey, yo, we're not a song. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this end is like Randy Newman is, I got to get my fingers on this, guys. Y'all can't just take over. 
Night Ranger. Oh, man. And Randy Newman. Oh, that's good stuff. Anyway, so that's my little that's musical cool, Jacob. about that. That really is. But it's interesting, I, I, again, just that that, to me, is the first time I remember nostalgia being, like, marketed as, like, part of the product. Wow. Like, like I mentioned going to see that She and Him concert. All of their Christmas stuff is, like... It is part of the the way it's recorded. It's to sound like it's it's kind of like you're they're they're, they're cheating a little bit because you're going to hear the slapback delay on the vocals or on the guitar, and you're going to automatically think of uh, Jingle Bell Rock or something like, and you're already going to have that attachment to it. Which which okay, this is a good segue for our for a little thing we we're going to talk about about that Christmas hymns or court or whatever mm-hmm. court carols. It's the element of melancholy of looking back at those places like oh like kind of like this there's a sadness to it that sort of is a that really enhances the so I think when you look back on the 40s when you look back at those old other times they're not looking back it was like oh remember how good it was it was like look at who we lost look at you know there's a there's a there's a kind of a, a weariness to it um in the midst of all of that, there's a smokiness to those memories mm-hmm. that I think that's part of the whole effect. Mm-hmm. So, like Brian, you had like we were talking earlier. What, what, what's, what's a Christmas Carol line that you especially love? Uh, I one that came back on my radar and just hit me different now. Than it, than it did as a child is from It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And uh, I'm going to read this so I don't mess it up. Um, All ye beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low. And just you know, like to pause, you have to get older and have hurt and just experience grinding and grinding and grinding and experience some loss and deep sadness for that to land. I don't think a child, unless they've had a really tough upbringing, is going to catch that. But all ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. And it, it, it just, it, it, it sounds to my ears now, like, you just picture somebody who is so hurt and tired and cynical that they, you know, it's kind of angels from angels, and the hymn is saying, hey, you are the exact person who needs to stop right here on the side of this road that is so hard, and you need to put your stuff down, and you need to listen to what these angels are saying. They are telling you that God cares about this whole world. And he is sending someone to make all things new. And you of all people need to know that. That, that is powerful. You know, it reminds me of, um, you know, when you hear about, when you read the Christmas Carol or watch the, the movies, and when Ebenezer Scrooge, what does he always say? When he says Christmas is a what? A humbug. Do you know what a humbug means? No. A humbug means deceptive or false talk or behavior. So it's not that he's just grumpy. It's that he feels as though he's been deceived 
Wow. That makes you feel for him a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. That the whole thing's a sham. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not just that he thinks it's a waste of time. It's that he, maybe that he tried it and it didn't work for him. Grow up. Mm. He is, mm. if he's honest, he would find himself beneath that crushing load, which, you know, eventually he, he, he does come to terms with. But, uh, yeah, that's what that made me think of. I might use that in my sermon, Jacob. <laughs> this Sunday, I'm not kidding. That'll preach, Jacob. <laughs> serious. Hey, I, in that same same vein, uh, from Oh Holy Night, which is my favorite of all time. This is the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Maybe one of the most, it's just amazing. A, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious It's like uh, it's like you're just almost life is sort of just just seeping out of you and energy and hope and there's just like there it is just breaking like the sun on the horizon and just a thrill a thrill of hope and just the weary world I remember hearing that you know during a time in my twenties and never listening to the words really. I just thought it was a pretty song and then really, and just going like, I, I felt I was really sad, I was depressed. And just feel like a weary world, what does it mean for a weary world to rejoice? It's like, what is a weird, it's like this hope that's just coming from out of, out from outside of us. It's just so beautiful. Can I throw in one more that's along yes. the same line, just that, that thing of weariness and sadness? And as I get older, I realize that is just embedded in these Christmas songs, that the world is hurting and dark and tired. This is from um, <clears throat> Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. This flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air, dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God. I get this last part. From sin and death, he saves us and lightens every load. Mm-hmm. That's so good. God, that is so good. Yeah, it's just, man, that's 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 really rich. Yeah. Um, the one that I keep coming back to, this is this is more of an Advent hymn, and really a second Advent hymn. In some hymnals, it's in like in the Trinity hymnal, it's in the section on. Christ's second coming, but in other hymnals it's in the Advent section, and it's the one, uh, the Charles Wesley hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Oh, familiar man. with this old tune of this? Yes. Perry? I, or something like that. Uh, what, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure the name of the tune, but um, here's like, my favorite recording of this is this uh, John Rutter um, album. Let me just let let you hear a little bit of it. Are you familiar with this tune? I actually, in my notes about my own funeral, I requested this hymn to this tune. Really? Wow. To me, this is this is what we're talking about when it comes to beauty, glory. There's so much glory in this particular hymn tune and in these words but it also has so much it's a hard one uh joy with with sadness built in but the last verse of this one uh so it's all it's about christ's second coming really 
But it's this last verse, Yea, amen, let all adore thee, high on thine eternal throne. And I love this line, Savior, take the power and glory, claim the kingdom for thine own. Oh, come quickly, oh, come quickly, alleluia, come, Lord, come. Just at the end of all of, all of these, these verses that talk about his, him being robed in dreadful majesty and uh, the eyes all eyes will see him at the end of all of that just saying oh lord take the power and the glory would you just please come and do it uh, that paired with that tune to me just brings a tear to my eye just about mm. every time I love it that's awesome that's great Thanks for for joining us today. We've got uh, you know we've got just one more one more question for you here. Was it a sunrise or a book you read? Maybe a show you watched on your TV set? Or tell me what's giving you life? All right, Brian. So on this mid December day, what's giving you life? Man, uh, moving into our new church facility today has been really exciting. And I try not to throw that word around too much, but uh, just the staff has been smiling ear to ear and um, setting up my study for the first time. And I hope I'm going to be here a long time. Uh, so that's a big one. That's and my oldest son just recently got back from college. He's a senior at Clemson, and he was even helping me unload boxes of books today. That was giving me a lot of joy to be with him, go have lunch with him downtown. Um, and I know we were talking about it earlier, but just getting Vince Guaraldi, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas back out mm-hmm. is just, uh, it's funny. It's not great when it's like in a store speaker or on a not good speaker, but when you, when you listen to it in your car or on a good stereo or on headphones, it is just joy. I love the playfulness of that. All of that yeah, music. It's just so... Like, you can tell that he didn't take himself seriously. Yeah, it's just what it's... That's the way it appears. Like, he was writing music for children. I, that was at the same time complicated, but mm-hmm. so playful. Well so, said. Well, that is exciting, Brian. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. And we we wish you a Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas to y'all. Thanks for letting me come this back on. Nice. And uh, uh, I love this podcast. Don't stop doing it, please. <laughs> well, you will. You are our first returning guest, so we, we have to make this a regular feature then. He's going to become a regular, no doubt. <laughs> exactly. Man. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, dude. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, and we'll be back after the new year. Thanks.
add your like pinky to the cord, right? You're like, yeah, you it's battle. like those. It's all those extensions that make stuff Sorry. sound lush. Yeah, extensions. <laughs> you know, Jacob says a lot of words sometimes. A lot of big words. It's like a, I was with the I was with I was with a friend of mine and he used a word like a homoousia, and I said and I immediately said, "You think you're better than me?" <laughs> <laughs> So my, my response, my, see, I skipped like three redneck stages to immediately, instead of going like, that made me insecure, the, the redneck, the monster redneck response is, use the big word, you think you're better than me? 